0: God does what he wants, when he wants, with whom he wants, the way he wants, and he never has to ask permission. That's the God of the Bible. In a word, we call this sovereignty. It's an attribute of God. God is sovereign. And that means he does what he wants, when he wants, with whom he wants, the way he wants, and no one can thwart his hand. No one can stop him. And he not only wills to do things he does everything he wants he gets his will accomplished he gets his will done we see so much of this in our bibles that it's almost on every page the god of the bible does what he wants in the beginning god and he created all things and all things serve him he has a purpose in all things he knows the end from the beginning he declares the end From the beginning and all things are by him through him and to him all things according to romans chapter 11 verse 36 i remember i was about to leave for a particular meeting and before i left i looked in the mirror and i had a shirt on and a tie and i realized in looking at the mirror that i had the wrong button in the wrong hole right at the top At the top of my shirt, I had the wrong button in the wrong hole. And I'm thankful I looked in the mirror before I left. And I was wrong all the way down. One mistake was it had huge ramifications because it was wrong at the top and it was therefore wrong all the way down. It's a silly illustration in some ways, but it does show the fact you get things wrong at the top. It's going to be wrong all the way down. And the sovereignty of God is one of those doctrines you have to get right or else you'll be wrong in your thinking all the way down. It will affect every other doctrine. It will affect how you think on all other doctrines and you will view them with a false understanding because we have to get the top doctrine right and then we can see other things in that light. The sovereignty of God is one of those doctrines. God is sovereign. He does what he wants all the time, and he gets his will done. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us he works all things according to the counsel of his will. In the book of Psalms, we see these words in Psalm 103, verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all now that says it all but some could balk at that and say well that just tells us god has a heavenly throne and he does what he wants there well continue reading your bible and uh, though you might think that allows for your particular view psalm 35 certainly does not <sighs> praise the lord for the truth of god's word look at verse 6 psalm 135 verse 6 whatever the lord pleases he does that's it not like well he's got a thing he'd like to do but he can't get it done because man has been left in control on planet earth and he has to get permission no whatever the lord pleases he does well let's continue reading where in heaven okay we've established that from uh, the previous verse he does whatever he pleases where in heaven and on earth in the seas and all deeps there it is that's the god of the bible and in one verse though you don't see the word sovereignty it's all about sovereignty isn't it whatever the lord pleases he does in heaven and on earth in the seas and all deeps now god is sovereign not just over nature not just over the earth not just over land and sea and the deep parts of the ocean he's sovereign when it comes to humanity and human beings and whether someone is born well or does not you read through your bible the lord makes mute as well as he brings healing It's all in His hands. Whatever the Lord pleases, He does. Everywhere. Everywhere you could imagine. God's will has been, is, and will be accomplished. That's the God of the Bible. That's the God who is. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. And what I'd like to do today is walk through a very familiar passage and perhaps only begin to cover it. But I believe as we're established in this, it will help us in everything else as to the Christian way to look at life, the Christian way to look at our own lives, to see the hand of God, the invisible hand of God, as it's been termed, in all things, and find comfort and rest in that. And let me say this, God is sovereign in the destinies of men. He's sovereign in salvation as well as creation. His, his sovereignty rules over all. Let's go to familiar verse, verse 28. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We read these words And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Let's stop there for a moment. I remember as a a man just less than about 20 years old in the presence of an older gentleman and he asked me to quote romans 8 28 well this is one of the verses i knew off by heart and so i wasn't intimidated by that question i could answer it and so i said all things work together for good and he said no i said well yes all things work together for good he said i want you to quote romans 8.28. i said that is romans and he says, no, it's not. I said, yes, it is. He said, try again. I said, all things, he said, no. I said, yes. He said, no. He said, get your Bible out, John. So I did. I thought, what is the point of this? This is one of those verses I I know. I know Romans 8.28. He said, read it. He said, what does it read, John? I said, and we know. He says, yes, 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 that's right. You didn't say that. You just said all things work together for good but the bible verse says and we know that all things work together for good and i thought well <sighs> technically you're right but as i thought about it that is a point isn't it we need to know this there's, there, there's something that we need to know the knowledge of this is so comforting in the good times and the hard times of life and this could be true without God ever revealing that it's true do you understand what I mean by that this could be a truth that God keeps as a secret that behind the scenes he's working all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose that could be a truth that he didn't reveal but true nonetheless but God has chosen to reveal this for a purpose He hasn't revealed this so that we could win debates with people who don't see god's sovereignty he hasn't revealed this for any other reason than for his glory and for our blessing and for our benefit god in his infinite wisdom thought we need to know this and he's chosen to reveal it there's a verse in deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 29 it reads this way the secret things belong to the Lord our God but the things revealed belong to us and to our children that we may keep the words of this covenant notice that God has secrets there are things that he knows that we don't that's what a secret is something known to someone that is not known to others And the secret things belong to the Lord our God God has secrets and he does not have to reveal every one of his secrets but when he reveals something it's no longer a secret it's now revealed and when he reveals it that truth belongs to us let me read that verse again Deuteronomy 29 verse 29 the secret things belong to the Lord our God But the things revealed belong to us there are things that we should know and when we know those things we embrace them we take hold of them and romans 8 28 is one of those verses that through the centuries since it was written under the inspiration of the holy spirit this is a secret of god now revealed and it belongs to us and it's something we should know so paul writes and we know do you know and we know that for those who love god notice that's a condition in other words this is not for everyone this is for a category of person not a universal promise but for those who love god that's not everyone for those that love god the following things are true And we know that for those who love God all things work together for good now I'm going to stop there for a moment what's the context of this well the context is by the Holy Spirit the Apostle Paul declaring to us two important banner headlines what I mean by that is blanket statements that we are to know things that will be of comfort to us and that's what's happening in Romans chapter 8 it starts with these words there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus no condemnation no judgment for those who are in Christ Jesus why because of all that's been revealed in the first seven chapters what God has done for us in the gospel through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ judgment came on the son of god in our place and we face no condemnation now now that we're in christ jesus therefore on the basis of all that's been revealed condemnation is out it's never going to be the experience of the true christian so at the beginning of the chapter the banner headline in two words would be no condemnation as we come to the end of the chapter in verse Uh, 35 and verse 39 we would understand the banner headline would be no separation verse 35 who can separate us from the love of christ question and as paul articulates so well nothing can nothing nothing i'm sure That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us. Who shall separate us? Verse 35, nothing will be able to separate us. Verse 39, from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who's the us? As we're going to see, the us is the people of God. For us, the people of God, there's no condemnation, verse 1, and no separation, verses 35 and 39. So, that's where we're headed. And everything we're going to find in verse 28, 29, and 30 will never negate what is the banner headlines that I've already articulated. There's no condemnation for the, for the person in Christ, and that one will never be separated From the love of god in christ jesus our lord no no matter what life hits them with it won't be able to separate them no matter what the devil does what history does what their family members do what court proceedings do what injuries do what name the thing death life that covers all events (laughs) well this happened to me did it happen in your life yeah well this verse covers it life experiences anything you experience in life nothing of that will separate us from the love of god in christ jesus our lord and that's true not only of life it's true about death and i'm sure of it paul writes i'm certain of it nothing in life nothing in death nothing in the angelic realm nothing 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 can separate us so As we go back to verse 28 understand that we're in some amazing uh, sacred ground here as we stand in awe at the wonder that God has given more than a promise it's actually a realization not that God will somehow in the future somewhere make all things work together for good no just a blanket statement all things work together for good how many things well not most things all things but as i've already mentioned not for everybody all things work together for good not for everybody do you know for the person who is an unbeliever and remains an unbeliever and because of that goes to hell nothing works together for their good name the positives of life they had uh, a trip to the bahamas they saw hawaii sunsets they won the lottery they name the thing none of that worked for their good they had this inheritance they experienced this wonder nothing of that worked for their good in fact it worked for their judgment they were given light they were given sunlight they were given rain that flowed from the clouds they were given sustenance they were given health of some sort at least they were given sight many have sight they were given hearing they were given all of these benefits but none of it worked for their good nothing but for those who love God here's the statement not merely a promise a statement all things work together for good I'm sure you've heard this but it bears repeating this does not say all things are good some things are evil some things are sinful acts and some sinful acts are perpetrated by sinners against true christians but the realization is this all of it is worked together for good that again shows god's sovereignty it's not merely that god is the reactor trying to make something happen and Eight times out of 10, he can bring good out of it. You know, when a bad thing happens, he, he can maybe work it some way that it is helpful to us. No, it's simply a statement. All things work together for good. Only a God who's in charge, who could filter our events in time, who could be Lord of the events in time who can get this choose the events in time could make a statement like that so that 100 percent of everything that ever happens to the Christian works for their good only a God in charge could ever say that and be true to that It has sovereignty written all over it. (laughs) We know. We know. I pray you know. I pray that to the depths of my soul, I know. And I can quote that verse to that gentleman. He's now with the Lord. Brother, you were right, and I know it. That for those who love God, all things work together for good. And then we have more of a description of those whom who have this statement about them being true they love God what is more said about them for those they 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 love they love God for those who are called according to his purpose this word called is used a, a number of ways and here it's talking about the effectual call of God we're going to see this later on in verse 30 because everyone who's called ends up justified we'll get to that but there are two types of call there's the call that is the call of the gospel where the preacher or maybe yourself you share the gospel with someone and in that the person you're talking to hears the gospel call it's heard by the ear maybe it's a Christian book someone is reading and in that there's the gospel call And it's read and seen by the eyes it's in other words the senses are receiving the message of the gospel they're hearing it they're seeing it and in a sense that is this gospel call that's one type of calling but there's a second and theologians make the distinction between the gospel call and what we call the effectual call the effectual call of the Holy Spirit where through the means of the gospel call God doesn't work without it God uses means to achieve his ends. the gospel call is evangelism the gospel call is the preacher crying out come to Christ repent and be converted believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved That call goes to everyone at least that's what should happen and that's what we pray for that's what we work for that men women boys and girls would hear the gospel call but to be saved and to be justified come to faith in Christ the Holy Spirit has to superintend that gospel call with the effectual call and it's the type of call that always results in someone coming to christ why because it is so powerful it takes out the stony heart and puts in a heart of flesh that now beats to know christ and that's what we pray for that you could call it regeneration you could call it as in the terms of jesus being born again jesus said it this way unless a man is born again he cannot see he cannot enter The kingdom of god john chapter 3. and so being born again is not something we choose it's something that is an act of god they're born from above that's another good translation of those words born again it's regeneration jesus in conversation with nicodemus said you must be born again but then didn't say now here's five ways Uh, things you can do to be born again. He got very mysterious and talked about wind and said, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it. You don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. In other words, this is a sovereign act of God. And through other uh, verses in our Bibles, other passages in our Bibles, we understand that the Holy Spirit works through the word preached Romans 9 is about divine election Romans 10 is about the responsibility of preaching the word faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God how shall they hear without a preacher God uses means to achieve his ends God could have the sovereign decree that you live to be 95 years old well if that's going to happen Uh, One of the means by that is that you get sufficient air along the way you get sufficient food along the way you eat You sleep You drink enough water all of these are means So when we say that God has The destiny ahead of you of you live to be 95 years old That doesn't mean it's all going to happen without the means God has decreed the ends and the means so Back to verse 28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. So that is not just positive things that happen, but sometimes hard and brutal things that happen. And here's the realization, even that is working for our good. God is so sovereign. There are things that have happened in my life, I'm sure you can relate. I I would have said, Lord, I, I don't think I want that. I don't think I could handle that. And Romans 8:28 through the centuries has been used by the Lord to show us I can work even that for your good, my son. My daughter, it's okay. I'm working this for your good. Now, the good is not that we will always win in life in terms of having the the best of everything we have the house on the hill we have uh riches galore we have uh, abundant health you and I know that's not been the experience of the people of God through the centuries either either in the Bible or since uh, the New Testament has been compiled you read Hebrews chapter 11 the great faith chapter and You read to the end of the chapter there are things that were great that were good and there were things that were hard people were persecuted some were sawn in two it says that that's hard wouldn't you say yeah but through faith in god they proved god even through those hard times And such is the wonder of God's sovereignty. He works all events for our good. For those who are called according to His purpose. Now, that is a verse, of course, in our Bibles. But the flow of thought hasn't stopped at the end of verse 28. What we have in verse 29 and 30 is momentous if you can see the mountain range of Romans chapter 8 it is like the Himalayas it's up there as one of the most glorious majestic views of the God of the Bible that we get in the Bible this is it and verses 29 and 30 are really the Everest it doesn't get higher than this when you stand at the top of Everest you've got a view of the whole world so to speak And when you and i grasp verses 28 29 and 30 here we'll have a view of life that is so comforting so comforting well lord i didn't know i'd have to go through this i know i know my son i know my daughter i know but i'm working this for your good now what is the highest good the highest good is what he will do for all his children and it's not about us having things it's becoming like christ isn't that something that you now want that you didn't want before before you're a christian had it ever even crossed your mind i want to be like jesus i want to have the fruit of the Holy Spirit so that I act like Jesus, that people encounter me and they experience the love of God flowing. As they look in my eyes, they see love and they see joy. They see peace. They see these wonderful fruits. Well, Romans 28 is the promise that all things work together for good. And here's the highest good. That you be conformed to the image of his Son that's what we're about to read in verse 29 isn't that amazing so think about your life experience just over the last year over the last 10 years go back to childhood and if you're a Christian you've come to faith in Christ you can say God has worked every event in my life he's worked it for my good and the highest good is to be like Jesus not in deity he alone is God he alone is God the Son there's only one God Father Son and Holy Spirit but in terms of character there's something in you that says I want to be holy set apart to God and this verse 29 is a promise you're going to get there you're going to be just like him you're going to be so sanctified that as much as finite creatures can be like god himself you'll be like him and there's something in us as christians that resonates with that and says oh lord bring it on i want to be like jesus i don't want to give into sin i don't want sin to be a part of me and one of the things we look forward to Is heaven not only to see Christ but to never grieve God again by our sin you're gonna get there here's why what Paul does in verse 29 and 30 is lay out the foundation for the roof of verse 28 see verse 28 as the roof on the building but what supports it are five pillars so to speak the five pillars that support verse 28 are found in verses 29 and 30 here they are foreknowledge, predestination calling justification and glorification and we're going to see these in stunning reality already We've seen the sovereignty of God. And what we're going to see along the way is that no one is lost along the way. Why? Because for those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose, those who can say all things are working together for good, here's the reason why those things are true. Look at verse 29, 4. Stop there. What he's doing here what the holy spirit through the writing of paul is telling us here is here's the reason for this is the basis on which verse 28 can be proclaimed and embraced and known for those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son now, predestination here is, is, is a biblical word. It's a wonderful word. And some people have the idea, oh, predestination is not about salvation. Look at this. It's to be conformed to the image of His Son. It's nothing to do with salvation. Well, first of all, you've got to go to other verses where that can be easily disproven. But even ask the question, who gets to be conformed to the image of His Son? Do unsaved people... Uh, the answer is no. This is talking about saved people. Saved people, the ultimate in their salvation is not merely the forgiveness of sins. That's wonderful. Not merely standing for, before God justified with the righteousness of Christ. As wonderful as as it is, and as wonderful as that is, the greatest, the ultimate joy in salvation is being conformed to the image of his son that's where we're headed and only saved people get there so that argument it's salvation no that's not what's in view it's all about salvation it's the ultimate goal of salvation and some people then they look at verse 29 and i know this because this was true of me get this for more than 20 years of my christian life I had the idea, perhaps you've heard it, that God predestinates on the basis of foreknowledge. Now, that much is true. There are two different, basically, two different schools of thought. There's the unbiblical and the biblical. (laughs) And for more than 20 years, I had an unbiblical view of foreknowledge and therefore predestination. I had the wrong button in the wrong hole right at the top. And I was wrong all the way down. I had this view. God predestinates on the basis of what he foresees people do. And the idea is this. In time, the gospel call will go out. And God, because he's God in eternity, can look and see through the corridor of time who it is who will respond to the gospel positively and say yes to Jesus. And on the basis of that human choice, God then makes his choice to say, these are my elect people. And the argument is, foreknowledge comes before predestination. Here's, here's the problem with that. In fact, there's a number of problems with that as I say, I used to believe that. Sadly, I used to even teach it. I came across some old notes on Romans, and there it was, this view. It's called the prescient view of foreknowledge. Pre means before. Science means knowledge. And so it's the pre-knowledge view. Beforehand, God knows what we will do, and He makes His choice based on that knowledge. Well, There's so many problems with that. Um, Really, I have to admit, I had a shallow understanding of this, a lazy understanding of this. It's the traditions of men. And it, now get this, it makes God the spectator rather than the sovereign God he is. He just watches and, well, whatever you choose, that's what I choose. It's not a sovereign God at all it's not the sovereign God of the Bible it isn't so what changed well I was led by the Lord to read my Bible study my Bible and I have to look back and just say that I assumed a lot and never questioned my assumptions but as I became serious about Bible study I came to understand there's a biblical truth I need to embrace and I was not embracing it until I understood that biblical view perhaps that's been true of you let's get to our Bibles and let's look at this word foreknowledge because I want to say this the argument that foreknowledge comes before predestination is not an argument for the prescient view the foreknowledge view based on what he sees we do because on what i now call the biblical view some would call it the reformed view reform to me just simply means biblical the reformation was a back to the bible movement so someone becoming reformed is really just someone who's becoming more biblical that's how i think about it the biblical view is this foreknowledge has to come before predestination because God will not predestinate people who he did not know ahead of time so it's not an argument for either side I believe rightly foreknowledge has to come before predestination foreknowledge is foreknowing of people and then predestination is assigning the ultimate destination of those same people But everything rises and falls on what foreknowledge means. And I made the assumption, and that's what it is, foreknowledge means simply foresight. But I would challenge you and I would ask you to actually look at your Bible because the Bible here does not say and the Bible does not declare here that God foreknew acts of men. That god foreknew what we would do in fact what we're going to see here in these five pillars has also been uh, likened to uh, five links in the golden chain you ever heard of that the golden chain of redemption five links in this golden chain and what's amazing about this chain is it starts in eternity past with foreknowledge and goes through predestination to calling to justification and then eternity future glorification so it starts before time and goes on into eternity future and these links i want you to look at your bible here they're all forged by god think of those links in a golden chain Man's actions are not even part of the equation in terms of being talked about, in in terms of being referred to. Nothing in verses 29 and 30 is an act of man. Uh, Well, yeah, uh, no, look at the text. There's nothing that we do here well don't we have faith oh yeah sure we have faith but these links are forged by God and our actions are not in view it's not in the text we will who are the elect have faith in Jesus Christ and therefore be justified but the emphasis in this passage is on what God does and what God does alone And notice what it says. It does not say that God learned what we would do and on that basis predestined us. Because it does not say God, those whom God foreknew. In terms of their actions, it simply says, those whom he foreknew. Not what, but whom. Those whom he foreknew. Who's the he here? It's God the Father. Because later on in the verse he speaks about his son so the his son refers to someone other than the he who foreknew whom he foreknew he predestined that they would be conformed to his son so the person in view here is God God the Father those whom he's talking about people now notice this see if I'm right He's talking about people rather than the actions of people, like repentance, like faith. No, he's talking about people. Let the text stand for itself. For those whom he foreknew. So, not everybody, but those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and those whom he predestined he also called and those whom he called he also justified and those whom he justified he also glorified. It's talking about people, not the actions of people. Those, 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 those. And notice again, he foreknew he predestined he called he justified he glorified that's what i mean all of these links are forged by god and notice this no one's lost along the the, 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 no one's lost along the way and no one's added along the way but those Those, 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 those. Get this right. And I tell you what, your heart will soar to see the hand of God in salvation. And that is what God wants for us because he has revealed this. Those whom he foreknew We need to talk about this word foreknowledge. As I say, there are traditions about it, but they don't stand up to scrutiny. I've used this illustration at various different times, but it always is well worth repeating. If you've got the real thing, you don't mind it being scrutinized. If you've got a real gold watch and someone questions it, says, that's not real gold, you don't mind if if they're your friend and they've promised to bring it back and maybe you even go with them. You don't mind it going to the jeweler to get tested. Because if it's not true gold, you want to know it. And if it is true gold, it can be proven. You're not scared of the process. And so it is with truth. It's only as I allowed my tradition to be scrutinized that I realized I'm believing a fake doctrine here. This is not going to stand. This is not standing up to scrutiny. But I tell you what, what I now believe does. This is a golden chain of redemption. And what God is revealing to us is an unbreakable chain that starts in eternity past, goes through time and on into eternity future. The chain is forged by God himself and has five unbreakable links. Look at it again. God foreknows, God predestinates, God calls, God justifies, and God glorifies. Now, I want to say this. There's an ambiguity in the text. What I mean by that is there's something that's not actually stated, but is definitely implied. That being the word all. You don't see the word all in the text. But I believe that's what's in view here when we talk about who the those are now let me seek to explain that by inserting another possible implication by way of contrast the word some let's try this okay look in verse 29 with me and let's insert a word for some whom he foreknew he predestined some whom he predestined he called some he called he justified and some he justified were glorified. Let me ask you, what kind of comfort and security would that give to us? (laughs) There wouldn't be any at all. Um, 50% of those he foreknew, he predestined, and the good news is 38% of those he justified, he glorified. And so you you got a chance of making it, brother. How do we know that the implication of the text is not some but all the word all isn't there but it's it's either the word all or some or else language means nothing i don't believe it could possibly be some i think if you marched a hundred theologians into a room and said you're not getting out till you tell us what you believe i think though they may not agree on a whole lot of things i think all of them all of the theologians would say the implication of the text is all why well it goes back to what we said at the beginning of this teaching the banner headlines no condemnation and no separation and if the implication was some there's no way you could say in the same breath and in the same chapter Nothing can separate us. No, a whole lot could separate us. I'm really worried. I've started out worried. I came to this chapter seeking assurance. Uh, my assurance has all evaporated, evaporated away. Only some of those he justified or glorified. Whoa. If anyone's being lost along the way, it's probably going to be me. Many things can separate me from the love of God. No, child of God. The implication is all. 100 out of 100 Bible scholars would all agree that's the implication all he foreknew he predestined all he predestined he called all he called he justified all he justified he glorified when we come to this subject let's be taught by the Lord let's be under the scripture And let's recognize that God is the one who foresaw people. Yeah, he foresaw. But more than that, he foreloved. We're going to see that's really what foreknowledge means in our Bibles. It's a setting apart of God, a people where he sets his love on them. And we're going to see that next time. Let me just end with a quote of, A.W. Pink, he once said this God did not elect any sinner because he foresaw that he would believe, for the simple but sufficient reason that no sinner ever believes until God gives him faith, just as no man sees until God gives him sight. This is not talking about God knew the future actions of people beforehand it's got a much more precise meaning the word for new the greek is prognosco is a verb rather than a noun it's an action word and as the text informs us it's something done by god what exactly does god do then the text says god foreknew those whom he foreknew we're going to look at this word foreknowledge. we're going to look at it in terms of its its meaning and there's a consistent message through the Old and the New Testament and it doesn't mean that God foresaw what people will do no God knows all things and he foreknows people and he sets his love on them and they become those who love God because they're called according to his purpose. And God calls all things to work together for their good so that they are conformed to the image of Christ. And so sure is the Apostle Paul and therefore the Holy Spirit and has revealed this to us, that glorification is spoken of in the past tense at the pre-time meeting of the father son and holy spirit the council of the godhead they determined who would be saved and who would be glorified to become conformed to the image of christ and so sure so sure are these events that are still future for us That they could have been spoken about as if it's as good as done those whom he justified he also glorified but I'm not yet glorified that's right but if you know you're justified you will be glorified because no one falls through the cracks there's more to say but we'll stop there father thank you for our time together thank you for the lord jesus i pray that we would be comforted by this not merely to know these things through the intellect but that these things would just burn in our hearts and get into our blood stream so to speak so that we would understand not only is salvation sure because of the perfect work of the perfect savior but I can have the assurance that nothing I face today or any day is gonna separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord because God foreknew predestinated called justified and will glorify me why he set his love on me I'll never know it's his eternal infinite wisdom there was certainly nothing in me nothing in me what a humbling doctrine nothing in me that caused God to show such mercy to me the rebel but he did and I know that because I've come to faith in Christ and I know I'm justified and I can look backwards in the chain and forward in in the chain and realize God has wrought and forged all the links in the chain and that's why salvation is of the lord and all the glory goes to god in my salvation thank you for this truth lord jesus name amen